We've been highlighting over the last uh, two months some of the incredible efforts, some of the amazing organizations that have been uh, really stepping stepping forward and uh, making the possibility of supporting our soldiers in Israel a priority. And uh, there are some amazing efforts and there's some incredible organizations, some of which have a proven track record of significance that have really been uh, at the top of their game during this uh, current war. We were made aware of a, a website and an organization entitled Soldiers Save Lives. In fact, you can go right now to the website, Soldiers Save lives.org again soldiers plural save singular lives plural.org uh it's soldiers save lives gear saves soldiers and we'll explain all that although it might be obvious to some of you what they're trying to do it's done in memory of david newman who um was one of the many many victims of october 7th of shemini atzera simchas torah and we have two very special guests in our studio this morning um Ike Bodner is here and David Ghani is here and they are representing, as I said, quite a group of people that are completely dedicated to doing what they can for the soldiers that are in Gaza, the soldiers that are on the front, the soldiers that are in need of equipment and so many other things. Ike Bodner, welcome to JM in the AM. Thanks for having us. And David Ghani, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you for having us. Are you both here from Israel or are you... Yeah. Yes, sir. You literally landed like a few days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And you're here specifically because of what I just told our listeners about, because this effort's got to be funded? Yeah, we're fundraising and we're educating the community. Right. And both of you are permanent residents of Israel at this point? Yes. Yeah. yes. Where do you live? What cities? My wife and I just moved to uh, Northeast <laughs> Tel Aviv. Wow. Not, oh, I hear that that's a bustling area, to say the least. It's not boring. It's not boring at all. <laughs> no, I hear it. I hear it's an amazing community, frankly. And you are in? I live in Bayam. Uh, I, live, I lived actually with David. Uh, he lived with us before he passed. Uh, and this whole organization's in his memory. And uh, we live right on the, right the coast, thank God. And uh, it, was, it was very interesting. He came back from India and uh, Sri Lanka, and he, he kind of needed a place to stay. Uh, and when he, when he got back, he actually arrived the day that we started, we were moving into that apartment, and David, just being the person that he was, uh, just jumped in, and he was a big guy, big, strong guy, built like a linebacker, and we needed help moving, and he started just picking up furniture and just helping us move it to, to our new place, and then, then he came to us, and he said, guys, I need, I, need a, you know, I need a place to stay for a few weeks. Can I crash on your couch? And so... <laughs> You know, we were worried about how we were going to feed him. But outside of that, we were like, absolutely, jump in. Where, uh, where is he from originally? David was born in Israel. Uh, he was born in the old city in Jerusalem. Uh, and we all met, Ike here and David and some of our other friends that uh, helped found this organization. We all met in high school uh, in Jerusalem. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what do we know about what happened to him specifically that day? Do we have any details Yes, about so. what his last day was like. Yes, yeah, so it was a very it was a very harrowing day. Uh, it was you know October seventh. I think for a lot of people was sure. was a day that uh, their lives changed. Um, myself, uh, I woke up that morning. I had seen David the previous night. He was getting ready to go um, to a party. We didn't know what party it was at the time, but uh, he, you know, I saw him, and one of the last things I told him. Um, was I made fun of his outfit, you know, just being a friend, being a guy, just razzing him. Um, and he went out with his girlfriend, and they went out to the party. And the next morning, I 
I woke up to sirens, like many others, at 6 in the morning. Um, and my room happens to be the bomb shelter uh, room, which is a weird thing to say. But in that apartment. Yeah. But every home, yeah. uh, for some people who might not know, every home in Israel has a bomb shelter, which is honestly an insane statement. We just have become so normalized to it. Um, but because we're so normalized to it, when those sirens went off, I didn't even... My first reaction was, all right, let's go back to sleep because we really do get that. At least once a year we get rockets. It's too normal. Right? It's too normal. And after I went, after I did go back to sleep and I woke back up, um, you know, I woke up to the headlines that many saw that day, of really just insane stuff of bases being taken over, um, of police stations being... How far is Nova from your apartment? Nova is fairly far from my apartment, um, probably about... So he traveled, he traveled drive, quite a while to get there. Yeah, yeah. He Among did. how many other people? How many people were at this festival? Like, what, was it in the thousands? Thousands. Or, there yeah. were thousands it of people. It was a very large festival. And when we saw these headlines, one of the first things that uh, one of my friends, one of our co-founders, co uh, our CEO, Baruch Appesdorf, did is he sent a message to David and he said, I hope you're not down south. Right. And David responded, something terrible has happened. Pray for me. Uh, and that was the last message that we got from him. Right. A any details after that? I'm asking only because yeah. we know certain people were shot at and, and murdered. Others were hiding and were hit by grenades and so many other scenarios. Do you know what happened to him? Yes. Yeah, so we at the time knew nothing. Um, uh, but we later found out from his girlfriend who was there uh, with him, who survived uh, exactly how it went down uh, and what happened. And David, um, David was the type of person who... I want to put it this way. I think every viewer who's listening or every, every listener who's listening, uh, especially guys, know this. You've all had a situation where you were kind of sitting in your home daydreaming and you imagine an intruder breaking into your home and then you, you kind of just imagine how you take them out. Mm -hmm. I think every guy has done this to some extent. <laughs> They've had this little weird daydream. Um, when David was confronted with his own daydream of, so to speak, not really a daydream, but when that, when that, when that thing happened and became a reality... He did not. He did not shy away from what we all imagine ourselves to be doing. Uh, there are close. He, to he went after people. the enemy. There are close to three hundred people who are alive today because of David. Um, he was up front, making sure that he knew exactly where the enemy was and telling people and what to do, when to hide, when to be quiet, when to run. He was literally at the front, and that was one of the reasons he was he was he was shot first because mm -hmm. he was making sure that everyone behind him, including his girlfriend and everyone that. He was telling what to do about where to go and what to do um, was safe. Um, and that, that was who he was. What had happened was that you know, him and his girlfriend start running towards the car, not entirely sure what was happening. And a police officer was running the opposite direction. He was yelling, if you go there, you're going to die. You either follow me or die. So they turned around. Okay, we know who to trust now. They start running. And, you know, everyone is starting to fall around them. They start seeing everyone just drop. And so they're running. It's complete chaos. It's panic. They run. They run for kilometers. David sees two large, you know, industrial garbages, the same you would see outside of any construction site, and says, okay, let's get in. Now, David being our big guy, our big boy, um, like we said, built like a linebacker, um, just started tossing people in there, you know, just literally picking people up, throwing them in, saying, hide, get under the garbage. He would go in, wait a couple minutes, see the coast is clear, come out, find more people, put them in the garbage. There were two of these dumpsters. After hours of waiting, these terrorists, these murderers, threw a grenade into the right garbage, killing everyone there, and then indiscriminately just shot into the other garbage. Um, 
what had happened was that David had, at that, just before that happened, walked out after waiting for hours, thinking it was quiet, thinking, okay, I'm going to be that guy who goes and finds help. Gets out of the garbage, takes a couple steps, gets shot. His girlfriend, Noam, hears his last breath. How long did it take to have a funeral for him? So, on the 7th, on Saturday, a group had gone down, including our CEO and our president, to save David. On Sunday, they went down to find David. And on Monday, we shipped out our first cargo load. On Tuesday, it landed. On Wednesday, we had David's funeral. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, Ike Bodner and David Gandhi are in our studio. They are from SoldiersSaveLives.org. This entire organization was founded in memory of David Newman, who we were just discussing. We were discussing his life and his fate uh, moments ago. Um, so I assume, just to put things in perspective from 6,000 miles away, because you can imagine that you guys are a lot better informed about details of October 7th than we are, uh, the car that they traveled in, I assume, was one of those abandoned, destroyed cars eventually, right along the side of the road. That we Correct. Kept. That's where they started, it sounds like, based on this story. And then, as you said, as they were running away, uh, the enemy pursued them and unfortunately caught up to them and the others who were with them. And uh, as you described, he saved many, and some of whom were there, obviously, on that spot, were killed by the grenade. Um, the, the whole thing is unimaginable, even if, even you. Who live in Israel? It's unimaginable. The whole thing—it's—it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, was David an officer or a uh, a soldier, or did he serve in the army at all? David, yeah, he served in the army. He was in the uh, Golani Brigade, oh, um, and he actually—it's remarkable because David did not initially. David did not initially draft into a into the combat unit, which is Golani unit. Uh, he was initially put into another unit, but David wanted to draft so badly that he, uh, or rather, he wanted to be a combat soldier so badly and give back in that way that he ended up signing extra time and basically restarting his service halfway through, about a year and a half into his service, where so many people would feel, I'm almost done. I got a year left to my mandatory service that I have to do in the IDF. David said, no. I'm going to start from the beginning. And he started training at about a year and a half in and basically just so that he could fulfill his dream of being a combat soldier so he could give back to his country. We could use someone like him in Gaza today, no? We definitely could. <laughs> I think he's inspired a good couple people. Yeah, yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. What's interesting about your organization, and we're going to get into details in a minute because one of the things we do here is try to encourage people to donate to good causes, and I'm hoping that people will respond. But... It looks like you have a, for, for an organization that started two months ago, it looks like you have a very large group of people who are dedicated to this cause. Seriously, like you have an infrastructure that's been established over the last few weeks that's really significant. Am I right about that? Yeah. Um, and I think Ike can speak a little bit more to that. But what I will say is this, watching this happen and watching all of this come together has been, this is a war of the people. We're watching right now, literally people across the entire globe, Jews, even non-Jews, people just coming together to see that there's an injustice that's happening. We need to do something about it. And the response has been overwhelming. This is not just us. I wish I could just say that myself and my friends are so amazing and we put this together quickly and, and look at what we did. Not even close. So there's some beyond your immediate circle who are part of this? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, the Jewish yeah. people are amazing. Yeah, I think Mikey should tell you a little bit <laughs> about go ahead. how I mean, it started. The way it started was that, you know, we felt helpless. We were doing what we could, and Bucky uh, Bucky came back from searching for David's body on Sunday and said, okay, listen, I'm, I'm tired of this. This is not, we're not sitting down. We're not wasting time. Let's open a WhatsApp group. 
called Let's Do Something. I see my name pop up, didn't really check it. I'm in the middle of running around in the chaos, doing my own thing, taking care of my own family, my own community. He gives me a call. He says, listen, we're going to fly stuff from America. I need a law, which is quite a request. I mean, I'm 25 years old. I did go to the Air Force. I do work in aviation and tech, but that's random. It's 1 a.m. I call my landlord and I say, listen, Rowie, I know you answered. So I know you're not in war and I know you're, you got two minutes. Talk to Bucky. I know you don't know him, but you trust me. We're going to be shipping stuff in. Just listen to him. I need you to get me the CEO of LL Cargo. He says, great, cool, fantastic. Ten minutes later, Bucky says, all right, we got cargo. What are we doing? Okay. Uh, he says, Monday morning. I mean, tomorrow morning. Uh, Literally, because you said even before the funeral, you were already shipping stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't wait. I'm not waiting. Right. So that's the, you know, what the, was in the first shipment? Like, what type of stuff? Because I know what people are looking for today, and you'll tell us what people are looking for today. But what was the first immediate need that you thought, you know what? Let's start with this. Thermals, winter gear, batteries, portable chargers. I mean, we already knew because we essentially we had a list that we had sent to my mom uh, from a soldier, from a soldier who was and one of the she's roommates. based here. She's based in Woodmere. We said, Ma, clear out the garage. Within 20 minutes, that was no longer relevant. The right. entire house was covered in volunteers and people dropping off. I mean, this community is incredible. The people here, like David is saying, is that the nation rose up. Yeah. The nation said, let's do something. And one of the fears that we have on this side of the world, frankly, is that everything gets to where it's supposed to get to. That's one of the good things about having your infrastructure mm -hmm. set up the way it is. Because literally, I'm assuming, you'll tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that people literally meet somebody at the airport, right? I would guess. And take everything that comes in and, and bring it immediately to where it has to go. Am I right about that? So at the scale that we work at, it has to go through the proper channels. It, has uh, to go it, can't, through. Be, it can't be individuals. It's got to be cargo, right? Yeah, it's right. cargo. It goes on right. freight aircraft. We'll, we'll charter a full plane if right. we need to and we have. And it has to go through the proper channels within the Israeli customs system. Right. We have to sign on everything. They review everything. Has anything been held up or it's all been distributed? At this point, everything's, been, everything's gone out. That's great. It's all uh, been sometimes you get a delay of a certain package, right? And we right. have an entire logistics operation. We have a head of logistics for that. And she's incredible. She's actually finishing her master's degree at Hebrew U at the same time. I mean, she's one of a kind. And that's, that's just somebody who came in and said, I want to help and took up the cause. She, does, she studies biology and gene editing. She doesn't do any of this in her regular life. But she's changed her life to do this. And she's just picked up, you know, and, and ran, ran with it. Are the needs any different today? I mean, what you described so. are, are, are real necessities. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've told the story on the air where I happened to fall into an opportunity to bring combat helmets to Israel. It was a, a total fluke, frankly, but, but God obviously gave me that privilege. Uh, tell me some of the equipment that, you know, today is, is necessary for soldiers in Gaza and on the front. So the general items that are obviously the most important are going to be those helmets and those plates, which we have a fund uh, that we've built with some of our backers, some of our donors, to purchase from directly Israeli sources. Because we don't want to deal with any unverified sources. So where the army would get it from, that's where you're exactly. getting it from. We work with the Ministry of Defense. We work with the Shabak, the Israeli FBI, in order to verify their vendors and then just make purchases for them. I don't need to pick it up. I just need to coordinate with the unit who's going to pick it up. And then we just pay for it. Now, at the same time, when it comes to what the states can do, what the allies here can do, we're not focused on the challenges that come with that kind of equipment here. Right. We want to focus on p keeping people out of hypothermia and making sure that they're not sick during this right. war, making sure that they stay warm. We've gotten huge donations from manufacturers and, you know, developers and sellers of equipment. Socks, thermals, gloves. Winter boots, parkas, Winter boots, tents. parkas. Cots. I mean, you, you're, I'm sure everyone's seen the videos of people, soldiers in tents, 20 people in a tent with beds that they have a well building up under them because the rain is coming through their tent. What is the weather in Gaza right now? So Gaza and the north are very different. 
Gaza North is very different. There is a thunderstorm happens to be. Uh, I just saw a video of a thunderstorm uh, in Israel. I don't know exactly day to day what Gaza is going to look like, but I know that the north is wet. I know and cold. very wet and cold. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, we're speaking to Ike Bodner and David Ghani. They are both here from Israel. They are trying to save lives and save soldiers by providing the gear necessary. Uh, and as you heard, the entire effort is in memory of David Newman. And everybody out there has an opportunity to just give them a donation, and they will take care of the rest. It's as simple as that. Here's the website, soldierssavelives.org. Again, soldierssavelives.org. And um, everybody out there has a uh, an opportunity to to give and give generously and let them handle the rest. How has the uh, have, you've been here only a few days, right? You've been here a few days? Correct. Yeah. How has the reception been in different communities that you've spoken to so far? Incredible. People I mean, are we are still into this, huh? Not, I not, worry about the American Jewish community. I'll tell you not only are people still into this, I would say the hesitancy has become from the the question of is my money getting there? Is my right. are my items getting there? Right. And I would say for transparency's sake, you know, everyone should go to our Instagram and follow what we do. I don't care if you follow us, you know, see us, see us on a day-to-day basis, but Soldiers Save Lives is on Instagram every time we do something with an Air Force base, with a base, with soldiers, it's there. You know, um, you know, you can you can verify every bit of our donation process. You can see what we do. You can see us at Customs. You can see us at Maman. You can see us on bases. You can see our thank you letters, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the people here, are they're not giving up anytime soon, I think. Any soldier that's in Gaza, is there official base in, in front of the Gaza border, or do they actually set up a base in Gaza itself, and that's where they're operating from? So within Gaza, obviously, it's a whole different set of operations, but there is still a complete set of infrastructure surrounding Gaza. Right, like on the border. Yeah, of course. That's, right? where, the whole, that's where the whole setup is, I guess, right? Yeah, you have to ensure that, I mean, the first day, there was a new border of Israel. We talk about that all the time, that, you know, the, the Minister of Defense, Ganant, set up this new 80-kilometer border around Gaza, which was around all these settlements, around all these Yishuvim and all these kibbutzes. And that's why he asked everyone to leave. Exactly. And so that's why we couldn't get to David, right. because there was a new border. I mean, we went in. You know, these guys saw everything that day. Saw the bodies, saw the people, saw a car in front of them hit by an RPG. I mean, they saw everything that day. They didn't, they didn't have any fear, didn't have any hesitancy. They said, we got to do it. And they went down try to say David, and now that has turned, you know, some two months later, into an operational zone. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were uh, discussing over the last few days about how this is a week of miracles. It is Hanukkah after all, and we're all thinking about our idea of soldiers, and we're certainly thinking about the hostages, our brothers and sisters who are being held by the enemy. Um, and th- and then people like yourselves come in here, and this has been duplicated and replicated so many times on the air. And your attitude is one of, of victory, resilience, uh, destroying the adversity that might be a challenge. Uh, and, and some of us on this side of the world sometimes get a little bit upset, depressed, and concerned that, you know, we have brothers and sisters who are going through the torture that some of the others who were released have been describing. And it's, it can really get you down, but it doesn't seem like you guys are, are getting down from anything. Truth Thank- be told, the grieving process will come. Right now is not that time for There's us. There's work to be done. There's work to be done. We got a job to do. There's no two ways about it. And if the community takes care of us, you know, and, and that includes somebody cooking for families, somebody cooking for the people who are out there, somebody, t- you know, doing laundry for soldiers. Like, it's not about the money always. It's not about supporting all this gear and everything. It's about doing what you can. I, you know, we very much believe, you know, 
do what you can. With that in mind, at some point, the soldiers are going to be going through a pretty rough time as well. Yeah. I mean, mind you, we have friends who say, listen, I'm a masseuse. I, I'm, I'm a physical therapist. What can I do? I say, great. Let me set you up with the base. They go down. They spend eight hours massaging the soldiers, getting them back into shape to go back into combat. I've seen guys come out for one hour, call their mom while they're getting a massage, you know, getting some <laughs> acupuncture, and head back into Gaza. What do you say to Americans who want to come and volunteer and do similar things? Please do. Seriously? You could arrange that? Absolutely, we could. And I think that this goes back to what he was saying before. We're all, immediately after this happened, all of us were confronted with the reality is 350,000 people went up, okay? I have many friends, family that went up to reservists the second that, you know, this, these attacks occurred. And for people like myself, I mean, I did the army, but I wasn't a combat soldier. Um, our, one of our co-founders, Baruch Habistorf, also said something similar. We didn't have the necessary skills to immediately jump in and do what we wanted to do, okay? Our friend was dead, and the thing we wanted to do immediately was strike back and to do something back at the people who dealt those, those terrible blows. Um, we asked ourselves, what can we do with our skill set? And I got to tell you, none of us had the skill set to put together an operation that would span, you know, the globe and bring in tons of stuff. None of us had this experience. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't plan this. <laughs> but a day later but, you did. But a day later we did because that's, that's just yeah. been the drive that's pushed us. It's, it's, not about, it's not about what you can do. It's about you need to do it. And that's why we opened up a group called Let's Do Something because we didn't know what we were going to do, but we said let's do something. We need to start doing something. So how many people now are part of uh, Soldiers Save Lives? We have 10 full-time staff members. That's, and that's pretty amazing for yeah. a two-month-old no, organization. It's incredible. <laughs> and, and mind you, we started out of Guido and our president's uh, you know, apartment because um, two of his, his roommates had gone to base, and we all slept there. And we all spent 30 minutes a night sleeping, and we took rotations sleeping. We spent 23 and a half hours a day working um, just to get this off the ground, and those people became experts very quickly in every bit of what we do. Yeah. Whether it's acquisitions in Israel, directly funding units and directly specifically funding Kitot Konanut, you know, the municipal guards, um, or becoming a whole logistics operation, moving $20 million of equipment in two months and moving in 300,000 pounds. You know, it's enormous. But there's no, there's no reason that any of us can't do exactly what we, what we set our sights on. We're the Jewish people. We're raised to operate. We know how to do this. Look at our country. We've done much larger things than just just ship things from A to B. <laughs> this isn't high tech, man. This is easy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you remind me of, uh, uh, of how some people don't understand exactly where they come from, what abilities mm -hmm. they have. But as you, as you say, especially during this week, when we're talking about the Maccabim and the mm -hmm. Chashmonaim, uh, people who never thought they'd be able to uh, fight a battle and win it went ahead and did just that. Uh, we're speaking with Ike Bodner and David Ghani. What is today's schedule? Where are you going to be today? You're going to be speaking to people in different communities? You're going to be visiting anywhere? What are you doing today? I'll tell you why I'm asking in a moment. We do today. I mean, if we look at our calendar, I can be an exact <laughs> schedule of what we got going on. But, well, uh, what areas are you going to be in geographically? Mm -hmm. We're in the city much today, and we're Meaning in Manhattan. Manhattan. The reason I'm asking is because you're in the United States until when? For the next seven to ten days. We might extend if we see the need Because to. I, I want to suggest, and again, you never know with this show, um, there could be a massive response and there could be people who aren't able to fit it in. But I would love for you guys to be guests in schools and synagogues mm -hmm. and organizations and to just let people know about this whole story. I mean, David's story in and of itself is pretty significant. And the fact that this was arranged in his memory, this was arranged as a, as a response 
to what happened to him is, is pretty remarkable. I'm sure he's looking down with tremendous admiration and thanks uh, to you guys. Uh, and I would assume that if an organization or school wanted to have oh, you guys, you do it in a that. second. So yeah, I'm, I'm appealing to everybody out there. They're here at least the entire week, folks. They're here at least the entire week. They're based in New York City. And it's Ike Bodner and David Ghani who are uh, more than happy to come to your school, your shul, your organization. Uh, they'll tell you the whole story. They'll go through what it's like being in Israel right now. You know how important that is. We're going to be there a week from Wednesday again. And our shows from there are always significant when people understand and feel that they're uh, getting a real connection between Israel and the diaspora. And obviously, in addition to that, hopefully they'll be able to raise money uh, in the synagogue or the school they come to so that they can continue to uh, supply what our soldiers need in Gaza, up north, uh, in on army bases, etc., etc. The needs are endless it seems uh and um everything from basic needs to tactical gear everything yeah we'll cover it's all, it. it's all your purview i mean the largest thing we've done is armored ambulances at one hundred thirty thousand dollars a pop we've bought three or four of them we bought three of them so far so far those are ambulances that that's are, half a million dollars yeah that's half a million yeah. dollars and that's those are ambulances that are going to go into gaza and when a helicopter can't support. land exactly soldiers so when we hear about wounded soldiers they need evacuation in, in a house that's being uh, um, that's been attacked. Well, that's, either being attacked or that's being inspected, you know, house to house as the soldiers put themselves in that dangerous situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God forbid someone gets injured, an ambulance like that might come to rescue them. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, this thing has all the suspension you need and all the armor you need. It goes in, gets shot at, make sure it, make sure it gets these people out. Yep. And obviously it makes the many miles trip back to Israel. It's, yeah. it's going back and forth. I mean, where they exactly. are now, the soldiers in Gaza... Well, I don't know. Am I right or wrong? Is it that far from the border or it's, not? It's not that it's far. Not it's not drive. that far from the border. No. But I will say that not just fundraisers, not just people who, who want to hear our story, um, I would say there's two important parts of our trip. Is One, we, we're here to spread David. David was the best of us. Everybody said he was my best friend. He was my best friend. No, <laughs> he was the best friend. He was just that guy yeah. you know, that everybody knew. Oh, that's the man. That's David. He didn't speak Lashon Hara. We did not speak Lushanar. I wear it on my wrist every day because of him now. It's what his family handed out at his funeral. No Lushanar. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty amazing. No Lushanar. We're not, that's not us anymore. You know, as much as we can influence the world with David's light, David's spirit, that's what we're doing. And when it comes to other organizations, because we know how impactful this community has been, there's an incredible response from a variety of people who had just the same attitude as us. And we're at a scale where we can influence and help these people. I don't want to shut down other organizations. I want them to thrive. I don't want to compete with other organizations. I want to help them. So we've had a huge success over the last five days being here, speaking to other organizations, figuring out their bottlenecks, their problems. So if you're an organization listening, and I'm sure there are many Nachum, speak to us. Get in touch with us so we can help you with your supply chain. We can help you figure out exactly where you can cut costs, how you can work together with other organizations for cheaper prices and get things done in a and much more efficient way. And because of my regular movement to Israel over the last two months, I've met individuals who are doing what you just described very well, but oh, yeah. can use more help oh, yeah. in enhancing what they're doing. Yeah, so just, just as an example said. of that, I mean, we got in touch with an incredible guy named Yakir at Boots for Israel. I mean, they're insane. Oh, yeah, we had them on. Love them. Yeah. Love them. Oh, yeah, he did. He told yeah. us. So one of the examples is he was going to go buy a, a variety of boots, you know, he said, listen, I'm doing it. I'm not wasting time. I'm going to do it. Right. And he was, you know, I think the cost was something like 150 grand. And they've been very successful. They've very raised successful. a lot of money. Yeah. And I think they were going to, they were, you know, they had a deal, a good deal for right. 150 grand. We had the same boots from the manufacturer as a donation. And I said, Yakir, how many do you need? And we just gave them to him. 
we got the cost of shipping covered by him, and we just were able to extend his dollar. We, we were able to keep them $110,000 in the bank to continue their operation. So I have specific people in mind who I won't mention on the air, and I hope they're tuned in, but uh, they're doing a remarkable job with some of the things that are being shipped over to Israel. But you guys can make their job even easier, and I hope they take advantage of that. Yeah. Best way to get a hold of you is through the website? or Through the website. Uh, Actually, people can just email me, and I'll tell them how to get in touch with you directly. Sure, because sure. Uh, this is too important to... Start making people go, go through hoops to reach you guys. Yeah. Anybody out there, it's Nahum at NahumSiegel.com. Nahum at NahumSiegel.com. Just email me. I'll put you in touch with Ike and David, and you'll be able to invite them, and you'll be able to get some advice from them if you're in the business of uh, uh, of shipping stuff to Israel and getting uh, essentials and important um, combat gear to Israel as soon as possible. You were born in Israel? No, I was born here in Brooklyn, New York. Really? Yeah. Moved to Israel at what age? Moved to Israel when I was about 12 years old. <laughs> yep. So, was that sixth grade in that uh, area? Yeah, about seventh grade. Is that there. a tough transition, sixth, seventh grade or not? It was somewhat of a tough transition, and that's why, that's, funnily enough, uh, Ike and myself, we met. Um, we met in a school called uh, YTA, which is a fully Americanized school. Yeah, um, we've heard of that, of course. Yeah, so yeah. We, we met there. and uh, Meaning in ninth grade you met there? We met in ninth mm-hmm. grade, yeah, not in seventh grade. Um, and you were living in your slime at the time? I was living in Bet actually, um, which is a little, you know, Kind of close to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ike, I believe you were living in Jerusalem. Four of our yeah. five co founders are from there. And we all played yeah. football together. I mean, we all grew up together. We've been doing this for 11 years. You know Yoni Mishan, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just spoke with him, actually. Great. Uh, he helped with. Uh, yeah, I would imagine that he knows a lot of guys that can be very helpful when it comes to shipping mm-hmm. and schlepping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know when Nefesh Benefesh lands in Israel, it's usually the football team that comes yeah. to take all the luggage. I've had a out. couple days like that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have seen you there on the sidelines. Um, so, one second. So, you meet, and, and you're how old when you move to Israel? 11 years old. Also around the same time. Mm hmm. Old, yeah. Oldest in your family or not? Yes, sir. Oldest to six. Oldest? Right in the middle. So yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, it, And everyone had an easy, I, mean, I want to say easy, but both of you went through fine adjustments and... Yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, it's a whole different topic, but adjusting to life in Israel... It's um, not a different topic. This whole war is causing people to think about moving to Israel. Well, that's true. It's not. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But what I mean is, you know, um, I think for us... For me specifically, I think it wasn't until I drafted into the army that I really fully felt like I had like acclimated. Even through the entire high school, yeah, because Mm -hmm. we went to an American high school and an American community, sort of, right? We're living in a bit of a bubble, you know. But the second we got out of that, then you start to really experience. Was that a tough transition? The beginning, the first month in the army, it was tough. But I can honestly say that, and I'm not sitting here like telling everyone to join the army. That's not what I'm here to do. But but I can honestly say that, like that experience for me was was life changing. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it made me who I am today. I, wow. I think I think that um, for us, like I said, we didn't have the. I specifically didn't have the necessary skills to go pick up a gun and go in and, and start fighting. But I do. I do feel confident that anyone who wants to help can. It's just a matter of putting your mind to it. Did it take you also the entire high school to make that adjustment or not? I think that it's very hard to acclimate properly to the Israeli society. It's a very... It takes one. years. It's, it's not just taking years. It's, you're, I don't think out of my entire 14 or 15 years being there, I've done it. I've made wow. my own version of it, which has been incredible because it's brought me to people that are so clear to me and so deeply recognize who I am because you can't hide who you are when you stick out like a sore thumb in a country like that. Um, and they know, they know me. And that's why we go. That's why when David says to me, we've got to do something, we've got to do something. That's why when Bucky calls me at 1 a.m. and says, i got to get a lot on the phone... <laughs> I get a lot on the phone. 
wow. you know, and we, we work that way just because of it. But it's a, it's a hard transition, man. I will say that the Army has been the greatest, not just experience in my life and being in the Air Force and all, all that has been a blessing. It really has been a bracha. But it's been the greatest, you know, growth factor in my life. But I, there is a, there's a lot of people who, who you know, say, I'm going to go to the Army, but you don't speak Hebrew. I'm going to go to the Army, but I don't really want to touch a gun. And that's fine. There's a lot of opportunity out right. there, but a lot of work to be done. Yeah, but if you look at this war, it's an, it economics play a part. People having money, people being part of this economic front right. is just as much important as those going out and making sure that the logistics happen. All right. Well, people like yourselves are lucky because the majority, I believe, of philanthropic money right now in the United States is going to causes like yours. Thank God. Yeah. People have come up to, to that realization at this point. I will point. say, just going back to what we were sure. talking about, about acclimating, we, like Ike said, we didn't exactly acclimate right away, but in a way that was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Because when all of this happened, we were positioned in a way where we had one foot here, one foot right. there. And that kind of allowed us to put this kind of international endeavor together so quickly because we were able to talk to people on the ground mm -hmm. here in America. And we were able to talk to people. And we knew the players involved in Israel. And we were able to kind of make that connection. The most important, I mean, I, should, I shouldn't say the most important, some of the important people in the establishment of the state of Israel were those who had connections mm -hmm. in the U.S. and knew the, the, the crowd, the political crowd in Israel as well. And, of course, uh, the reason why that was significant is obvious. Uh, I thank both of you very, very much. And I hope everybody out there goes to the website. Um, it, it, the more money you give, the more they could do. Simple as that. Soldierssavelives.org. Soldiers savelives.org. I'm highly recommending that while they're here during this week, you bring Ike and David to your school, your synagogue, and not just to raise money, which I hope you will help with, but in addition, let the, let the students meet them and, uh, and, and see what, uh, what um, a, a real important reaction is uh, to what the enemy did back on October 7th on Simchat Torah. So please, please take advantage. Nachum at NachumSiegel.com. Feel free to get in touch directly with me. I'll put you in touch with them. And certainly, if you haven't yet given to a good cause yet this morning, do so right now. SoldiersSaveLives.org. SoldiersSaveLives.org. And the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. And I'm sure both of you agree with that. No doubt about that. I know. It's amazing. Uh, but, but you've lived the dream already, so you know it firsthand. What can I tell you? Mm -hmm. uh, what a delight to meet both of you. I... Thanks for having us on. I have, I'm I'm very glad I have had you on. I uh, I regret that it's under these circumstances, frankly. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. what can I say? I have a feeling if uh, David Newman was sitting in front of us, he'd be saying, "Guys, keep going, keep raising money, keep sending stuff to Israel, make Israel and its army as strong as possible." Yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah. a vote to both of you, Ike Bodner and David Ghani on a uh, Monday morning broadcast at JMM on this fourth day of Hanukkah again. Soldiers savelives.org. They're here for a week. Bring them to your school, to your shul. Help them raise money and support a great cause. All you got to do is get in touch with us and we'll get you in touch with them. More coming up. It's Monday at JM in the AM. Yeah.